Forty years should have been enough to crush a man's spirit. Forty years. Forty years of walking around with a bunch of whiners and complainers. Forty years. And here he was, at the end of the forty years, ready to go for the next thing. Eighty-five years old. He should have been a cranky old man. But he wasn't. He wasn't. He should have, at 85, should have been, man, you know, he should have been listening to these young guys talk about their marriages. Oh, you know, we just complain about whatever, you know, and I'm living with this person. No, he should have said, you, you, you haven't seen nothing. Forty years I was with complainers and whiners. Forty years I saw my best friends pass away, save one. Forty years and I'm still ready for the next thing God has. People complaining about how hard life is. He says, no, 40 years and I'm just as ready today for what God's doing as I was when I was a younger man. Check out his story in Joshua 14. Would you turn there, please? I want to look at the life of Caleb. This is Caleb at, at uh, age 85. Caleb at age 85. If you need a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Um, turn there, Joshua chapter 14. Now, to be completely honest, uh, I'm covering a huge section of Scripture this morning. I really I want to talk about Joshua chapter 11 through chapter 21. That's a good chunk of Scripture. But I'm really summarizing it in chapter 14, okay? And, and I'll tell you why towards the end here, why we're doing it this way, um, and, and you'll see. So um, Joshua chapter 14, starting in verse 6. Uh, this is after battles in Canaan. This is we fought battles and, and we're kind of ready to settle the land. We're ready to settle the land. And, and here and here's here's what's happening. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephthah the Kenizzite, said to him, "You know." Scary, you know what, the, what Yahweh said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, to, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of Yahweh, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed Yahweh, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance that and your, of your children forever, because you followed Yahweh my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as Yahweh promised, He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time He said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses set me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that Yahweh promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but Yahweh helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephthah, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephthah, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed Yahweh, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. 
Caleb. Caleb. Uh, every title in this series that I've done this summer is about being, being strong. If I was going to call this something else besides be strong through God's promises, I'd probably call it give me the hill country, you know? Because that's what this is about. This is about Caleb saying, God made a promise and I want what he promised. God said he was going to give it to me. Moses told me he was going to give it to me. And now it's here. I'm 85 and I don't, have, I don't know how much time I got left. So it's got to be coming sometime soon. Give it to me. I'm ready. I want to talk this morning about God's promises. We sang about God's faithfulness. And we did that for a reason, because when God says he's going to do something, he's faithful to do it. And so I want to look at Caleb just for a few minutes and just look at his life and say, what did God's promises do for Caleb? What did they do for him? Because if they did this stuff for him, I can imagine they're going to do the same for me, for us. So um, look again at verse 7 and 8. Caleb says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of Yahweh, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. I brought him back a report according to my convictions. The word convictions in Hebrew literally means uh, I brought him a report according to what was in my heart. I told him what was going on in my heart. And then he says, uh, But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed Yahweh my God wholeheartedly. What he's saying is, uh, he's referring back in time. He was a 40-year-old man, and uh, he says, I was going into the land, and I was spying it out with the other spies. Remember that? They're at the promised land, and Moses sends out spies according to what God said, told them to do. The spies come back. Caleb says, we can do this. We can take this land. The people are scared of us. The rest of the spies, except for Joshua, say, we're so scared. There's giants in this land. I don't care who says we can conquer them. They're big. And Caleb speaks what was in his heart. He speaks according to his convictions. Why was Caleb so convicted that they could take the land? Because they had an overwhelming army? No. Because God promised it. It's as simple. God said we could have this land. He said he was going to be with us. It's ours. It's done. Before you swing the sword once... In Caleb's mind, it was a done deal. Number one, the promises of God strengthened his convictions. If you're taking notes, there is a handy handout in your bulletin. If you just pull that out, you can follow along there. The promises of God strengthened his convictions. He was sure that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And if you think about it, the same is true for us. There's promises throughout the New Testament that are addressed directly to Christians. These are our promises. These are for us. And when we read them, when we stand on them, they strengthen our beliefs. They strengthen our convictions. We've talked a lot this summer about how if you're going to fight spiritual battles, if you have spiritual warfare going on, you're only going to get through it on the basis of faith in Christ. That's the only way. Promises then strengthen faith. The world has a lot of promises. I was thinking about that this week. You know, a lot of us live on worldly promises. I mean, someone told me once that they noticed how uh, if you watch TV in the daytime, you see lots of advertisements for weight loss, right? They promise you this pill's going to do it. 
or this exercise machine with, with, with four easy payments of $125, that will do it. You will get fit and you will look like the guys in this with, with, with the washboard abs. You can have that. Just get this machine. Just take this pill. Um, and then in the evening, you get to the evening and you see all these commercials for what? Fast food, you know. I, mean, I, I don't know why that is. I, I don't know why it is, but, but you could go crazy thinking about it like that, you know. Lose weight in the morning, eat a lot in the evening, you know. And you watch the fast food ones and you got these really fit people. I saw this guy for, for, a, for a hamburger commercial in a tuxedo. Have you seen that one? He's eating this burger, right, you know. He's in a tux and it looks so good and I want to go out and get one, you know. Uh, but but it'd be terrible for me. It, it's so it's like this big of a burger, you know, crazy, crazy, but so good. Um, and I'll I'll certainly be happy like he's happy if I get that. See, advertisements promise you something, and that's just ads. The world has a host of promises. Satan has done so good promising us things. If you just work a little harder, you can afford this, and that'll make you happy. And I'm not saying we can't enjoy things in this life. I'm just saying. If we base our happiness on those things that the world says, this will make you happy. Oh, the world has a host of promises. I could go on and on. All that to say, God has a better set of promises that we ought to be tuning into. And they don't run on TV. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not infused with them night and day. <laughs> but we could be if we chose to be. So, the promises of God strengthened Caleb's convictions. When everyone, <clears throat> when everyone else was scared, Caleb was not. Number two, uh, look at verse 10 with me. Chapter 14, verse 10. Uh, Joshua says, Now then, just as Yahweh promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old. Joshua went through the wilderness, um, Caleb went through the wilderness wanderings for 40 years. He's like, 45 years later, here I am at 85, and, and God got me through that. It's like, it's like, think about it, and I was, I was mentioning it earlier in the sermon, uh, his friends all died. Caleb's friends all died. He and Joshua went into the land, but Moses and everybody else, they died in the wilderness. And here's this 85-year-old guy that makes it. You know, because God said he was going to. He doesn't act surprised at all. He's just like, yeah, God said I was going to make it into the land. And here I am, 85. Isn't that funny? Everybody else, you know. Uh, So number two, the promises of God sustained him in the wilderness. They sustained him. They kept him going. If you are actively reading, meditating on, living in the promises of God, it's going to get you through your wilderness wanderings of your own soul why because promises sometimes tell you you're going to receive things right here and now from the lord i'm in the wilderness god i need you here and god says i'm never going to leave you i'm I'm right there and some promises are a ways off the ones that are a ways off give you hope you can't hope for what you already have hope is always future based how do you get through dark times if not without hope? And how do you have hope if not for the promises God makes in the Bible? That the future, the best, it truly is yet to come. Promises sustain you when you go through hard things, hard times. Again, the, the world gives us so many things to hope for. 
so many things to look forward to. Maybe one day I'll be able to have that. Maybe one day I'll... You fill in the blank. You know the drill. One day. But when you're walking through the desert, what you need is water, not wealth. You need water. That will sustain you. And when you're walking in the wilderness sometimes that we have in life, you need promises. That's what Caleb, That's what got Caleb through. That's what made him enter the promised land, not a grumpy old man. He says, I feel like I'm 45 again. Wouldn't you like to feel that way? Uh, number three. Oh, it gets better. Uh, look at 11 and 12. Uh, 11 and 12. Uh, this is Caleb again. Uh, he says, um, so he said, just said, I'm 85 years old. Verse 11, I'm still strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Joshua says, liar. No, it's true. It's true. Now give me this hill country that Yahweh promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites, the giants were there. And their cities were large and fortified. That's why we wandered for 40 years, because they were so tough. But Yahweh helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Oh, I love it. He's like, he's 85 and he's like, I can't wait to fight those giants. I wanted to fight them 45 years ago. And the rest of you kept me from it. I'm I'm taking them out. I'm 85 and I'm taking them. Because God said I could do it. You know, I love it. Um, Thirdly, the promises of God required his courageous participation. They required his courageous participation. I think that's one of the things that drives me nuts about the prosperity gospel and name it and claim it theology, you know, or or as I like to say, blab it and grab it, um, uh, is is that it's so passive. It's It's just somehow, it's just saying, God, I want wealth. God, I want that car. God, I want that house. God, I'm sick and, 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 and I want to, you know, it's, it's, it's just this name it and claim it thing. And, and I'm not saying don't pray to be able to take care of your family. And I'm not saying don't pray when you're sick. In fact, James says, you, could, you should call the elders together if you're really sick and have them anoint you and pray. You could better take that seriously. But with this idea that I just, I just sit back and, and, just, and just say it and God's going to give me all this stuff that I want. It's very self-centered and selfish. It's very passive. And, and, and it seems like, Many of the greatest promises of God require faith, which leads to some sort of courageous participation in the promise itself. It's, it's saying, give me the hill country. I'm ready to fight for it. You know, how do you do that? How does God give that to you? And you've got your sword ready. It, it, it's both and. It's not passive. It's active. And, uh, and that's, that's Caleb. Um, I don't know how close... You all are to the age of 85. I want to tread carefully here. I'm going to be careful. But, but if you are close to 85, uh, God has a big plan for you. He does. He does. And, and you, like Caleb, should be like, I'm ready to take the hill country. God's not done with you yet. I, I think we ought to like... Oh, I, Maybe, maybe people are writing books about this. I don't know. But, but I've not read what retirement is supposed to look like. But, but I do know retired folks that are more busy now than I think they ever have been because they're serving the Lord more, more than they ever have. They don't have to work anymore with the job. that They're retired. Now they can work for the Lord, you know, all the time. I, I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what it looks like. I'm not telling you that. But 
I'm telling you that, that Caleb was honored in a huge way because at 85, he wasn't done and God wasn't done with him. Promises require courageous participation. Let me tell you one that meant a lot to me. Um, Psalm 68, verse 6. God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. Now, I can pray that. God, take lonely people and put them in families. Or I can do that and find a lonely person and adopt him to be my own son. You see, see we, we, we can go one or two ways with that. I'm not saying it's bad to pray through the promises of God. I'm going to encourage you to do that, actually, in a few minutes. But if that's where it ends for you all the time, just with the prayer, God is calling you to active participation in the promise. I don't know. I'm not saying he's calling you to adopt. Maybe he is. But, but certainly we have a, a bunch of kids on the bulletin board out there from Children's Hope Chest that need sponsors so they can live and eat and, and get what they need and be taught about Christ. That the kids on the board out there are not just for us to pray for. You're supposed to take one of those children and commit to paying a monthly, I don't know if it's $30, $35 a month, to take care of their basic needs. Because God takes care of people that don't have as much as they need. And he doesn't do it just by doing it. He does it through his people. He does it through us. When unsafe people say, if God is so good, why is there so much starvation? I feel like as a church we're supposed to say, it's on us. We're not, we're not doing it as we should be. I don't know. Uh, here's one, one more promise that, that I love. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, He'll provide a way out so you can stand up under it. Have you ever prayed that when you're being tempted? God, where's my way out? Where's the exit? I've done that and I've seen the exit. Uh, if he promised it, he's going to do it. You just have to ask him. Which leads to a conclusion here. Here's my concluding statement. Uh, main idea. Claim your spiritual inheritance. Claim it. Now, that sounds dangerously close again to that Naven and claimant thing, and I'm not going there, but all I can say is God is encouraging us to claim what's rightfully ours in Christ. There are so many spiritual blessings in Christ. You read through the New Testament, you see it over and over and over again. God's going to supply my needs. If he cares about the sparrow that falls, if he clothes the flowers of the field, how much more will he take care of my stuff, right? We see these promises. They're ours to claim. They're ours. I used to think that you could just kind of you just kind of sat back and just the promises would just come and hit you. You know, here, here they are, are and, and maybe you get this, maybe you get that. I don't know. I remember when I was a kid, I, uh, I remember my parents sometimes taking me out and saying, we're going to buy you a toy today. Those were good days, you know. Um, I love G.I. Joe's, you know, military stuff. And I remember they would say, you can buy a G.I. Joe action figure at Toys R Us today. All right, you know, hop in the car, we're driving to Peoria, and I'm thinking about, which one am I going to get? You know, I don't know which one I'm going to get. So I get to the store, and I go into the aisle that I know they're in. And, and you know, I don't know, if, I don't know how many of you guys 
bought G.I. Joes for your kids or you grew up playing them, but there were a gazillion of them. I mean, there's all these different guys, you know. I mean, there's like a hundred different guys you could purchase, right? There's good guys, G.I. Joes, and the bad guys are Cobra, and, and there's, like, there's like 50 different versions of them. Which one are you going to pick? You know, maybe you'll go for Duke or maybe you'll go for one of the bad, you know. I don't know what you're going to do, but, but there were so, so many of them as a kid. I'm just in the aisle, and, and, and you know, and parents are going, okay, you've got to choose now, you've got to choose. I don't know. I don't know which one. I'm just looking through all of them. There's so many of them. And uh, the reason I can get one is because my parents' resources are limited. I can't just buy all of them. And I think when it comes to us and pro- the promises of God, you read the New Testament, it's like, it's like going into Toys R Us, and it's all yours. It's all yours. Christ bought them all. I mean, look, look at 1 Corinthians. You doubt me. For, uh, 2 Corinthians one twenty. it's in your notes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Every one is yes. You want this? It's yes. You want that? It's yes. All these promises are yours. And then it says, uh, so through him, the amen, amen means, you know, so be it, you know, be it so, uh, is spoken to, by us to the glory of God. And, and I happen to think that First Corinthians one twenty. I mean, just in my mind, uh, if you were here last week, we were talking about how uh, Joshua stood in the center of the valley and he read the blessings and curses of the Old Testament law and, and half the people were on this side of this mountain, half the people are by this mountain and when he read the blessings and curses, they respond with, Amen! You know? Curse it if you follow another God. Amen! So be it. I'm cursed if I follow another God but Yahweh. You know? And, and I think this is so cool because Paul says, Jesus, through Jesus, all these spiritual blessings are yours. All that you need for life and godliness, as Peter says. Um, and we say, amen, so be it. Let's have at it. It's ours. Maybe name it and claim it doesn't go far enough, you know? Uh, maybe they should go further and say, how many wonderful, joy-filled blessings in Christ, H- how much kingdom work can we do that would not be possible for one person at all Except for we pray the promises of God and then we actively participate in His kingdom work and we see God do amazing things. We walk through dark times, you know. Some of you have hard marriages, hard relationships, and you walk through those things and you say, God promised to sustain me in this time, you know. Normally I would never be able to do this, but God. I don't know. But it seems like we have a lot of things we could be claiming. I think James 4, 2 is so appropriate to say at this point. Uh, he says, you don't have because you don't ask God. And, and when you do ask, you don't receive. I think you can insert prosperity theology right here. When you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you want on your pleasures. When we ask with selfish motives to spend what we get on our pleasures, that's, that's wrong, James says. But often we don't have because we don't ask. So I want to I wanna transition now. Um, I said I was going to preach through Joshua 11 through 21. Here's how I'm going to do that. Would you put your finger in Joshua 11 and your other, maybe your thumb in Joshua 21? I want you to get a feel for this section of Scripture, okay? One finger in Joshua 11, 1 and 21. Here we go. Now, that's a good chunk of Scripture, you know. Uh, take a while to read through all this. Joshua 11, one finger in Joshua 11, one finger in Joshua 21. Um, 
Like, like take a look at chapter 12, for instance. The kings that they beat in chapter 12, verse 9. King of Jericho, one. King of Ai, one. King of Jerusalem. You know, he just got the list. We beat all the guys, you know. That this is like, that this is what the Packers' season's going to look like, you know. We beat them all, you know. We got it. Um, 31 kings in all. They're going down because God said it. And Andrew didn't even contradict me in my sermon for that. See? See? When you preach, you get to say what you want, okay? So, you know. <laughs> all right. Um, there we go. And then, and then after chapter 12, the chapter 13, 14, 15, all the rest of it is just like, you know, Naphtali gets this, Issachar gets this, Zebulun gets this, you get this, you get this, you get this. It's just distributing the land to all these different families. Now, that sounds really dull to us. If you were doing your devotions in Joshua 11 through 21, I'd be tempted to say, I'm so sorry, you know, because that's rough reading. But, but if you were Zebulun and, and you received this stuff, you'd be excited. You'd be excited. Because all this is coming your way and it's exactly what God said you were going to get. I think one day, I, I, I just, just a wonder, you know, we're going to be in heaven. And I wonder if we're going to have spiritual insight enough to have like a little book written like this, a little section written that says, this is what God gave you during this life. You had no clue, but it was all this stuff you got. And now you have all this stuff in heaven that you get to discover. Um, we have a lot of stuff coming our way. We do. Um, but I'll read the concluding statement in chapter 21, verse 45. You want to summarize chapters 11 through 22? You want to summarize all those lists? I can summarize them in one verse. Chapter 21, verse 45. Not one of all Yahweh's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. All of them. All of them. And we're the church, the bride of Christ. We have a lot coming our way in this life and even more in the next. How do we live in God's promises? I'm still figuring this out myself. Here's my best shot at how I personally attempt to live out God's promises. This is just me speaking. As, as a fellow journeyer, you may have better answers than I. But, but here's how I would do it. Um, this is in your notes at the end. Um, the secret to Caleb's life in claiming these promises uh, the blank is wholehearted devotion to God. Six times in the Old Testament, it said that Caleb had wholehearted devotion to God. Six times. At least two of them were in this section we just read. I don't know if you caught it, but it says he was wholeheartedly devoted to God. And that devotion stood on the promises of God. He was so sure <laughs> And, and he knew, he knew there were kings in, in, in Canaan that were telling their, pe telling their people, I promise you, we got this. We can beat these Israelites. I promise you. But Caleb knew those promises were worth nothing. God said it. It starts with a heart completely devoted to God. God, I'm all yours. I want everything that you have for me. I want to live in your promises. I want to fight your battles. I want to win by your strength. If I fail, I'm going to keep going. 
Uh, It's all of that. It's that wholehearted I'm in. Practically speaking, this is how how I do it. When you read your Bible, look for promises. Look for promises when you read your Bible. They're all over the place. Spot them. Underline them. Highlight them. Remember them. Then secondly, believe God will do what He says. Have conviction like Caleb had. God, you said this, you're going to do it. Believe it. It all starts with faith. Without faith, you're not going to get anything from God, right? James 1 says that. You want wisdom? Well, there's this wise God that wants to give you wisdom. But if you don't believe, you're going to receive it. If you don't really believe it, you're not getting anything from God. Nothing. It all starts with faith. Thirdly, I I would pray through these promises for yourself or for other people. God, you said you would do this. Please do it. Please do it. I'm not preaching prosperity theology. You may have to work through some years in the wilderness before you see these things. I kind of hope that you don't, humanly speaking. but, But God has a greater plan than I know. You may be in the wilderness for a while before you see it happen. But if God says it's going to happen, you can bank on it happening. And if not in this life, 100% sure in the next. Pray through the promises for yourself and for others. Fourthly, act according to the promises. You knew I was going to end there. (laughs) Promises are not for passive people. They're not. When you take your promise on your wedding day, if you get passive after that, that doesn't work. Neither do God's promises. When God promises something, He's saying, join me. Join me. You know how I said I take care of the weak? Join me. Let's do this together. That's what He's asking. I hope and pray that you learn to live out and enjoy the promises of God in your life. I pray that they sustain you in the hard times. I pray that they bring into your life everything that God wants you to have in this life. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, I thank you that you purchased these things for us. Jesus, you you went to the cross. You, You did the hard work of bearing my sin so that I could receive all that you have for me. Jesus, we know that your grace is unlimited. Your resources are unlimited. And you said we have everything that we need. God, I pray. God, I pray that you would send us as a church all that we need to be a light in this community. All that we need to live faithfully according to your word. All that we need to share the gospel. God, give us all that we need. God, help us stand on your promises. Help us trust you. It's so hard sometimes when we see your promise and we look and we're in the wilderness and we don't see where the promises meets us. We want to be Caleb though. We want to be a person that, that believes it and lives it and says, I don't care if it takes 40 years, I'm in and I'm ready. God, help us never become bitter. Like those in the wilderness that started complaining and wanting to go back. Help us not become that. Help us enjoy all the things that you say that you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen.